In today's episode, I'm going to be playing for you a little section uh, from an episode of a podcast called Philosophize This. Um, This particular episode is on the works of Nietzsche. And I just really liked how Stephen West, the uh, guy who runs this podcast, I really liked how he, he broke it this particular section down. So at this point in the episode, they're basically talking about becoming the overman. And the overman is essentially what humans are to monkeys. So what, if we're the monkeys, what is the next step in evolution? So that's kind of what he's talking about. But again, I'm just going to play. It's about a 10 minute section of what he's talking about. And then I'm going to talk about it later. Okay. Uh, If you haven't yet, make sure to leave a review on Spotify. And I hope you enjoy the episode. So what is this constant pursuit towards becoming the overman? Well, Nietzsche thinks that every single one of you, every single person that's ever been born for that matter, If you continually progress as a human being, you're going to go through three big stages of development throughout your life. The first stage is being a camel. The second stage is being a lion. And the third stage is being a child. Let's talk about these three stages of life. All of us are born camels. And to Nietzsche, 99.9% of people are going to die camels. They're going to spend their entire lives stagnant, locked in this stage of being a camel. And the reason he refers to the first stage of life as resembling a camel It's because when you take a close look at most people and the way they interact with the world, they carry themselves as though they are willful beasts of burden. Think of a day in the life of your average friendly neighborhood camel. What do they do all day? Well, people come up to them, they put a bunch of heavy stuff on their backs, and they tell them not to complain about it very much. They say, look, forget what you want to do, camel. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to carry all this weight for me exactly where I tell you to carry it. Got it? Whap. When it comes down to it, this is the basic life of a camel. It doesn't matter how good you have it. Look, I don't care if you have 20 years of camel seniority. You got that cushy job down at the petting zoo. You're still walking around in a circle with seven-year-old kids on your back. Your job is still to carry this burden. Don't complain. You behave the way I tell you to behave. So obviously this camel is a metaphor. So let's try to think about how this camel's life is similar to the life of the average person. If we are in fact all born camels, what sorts of heavy burdens are figuratively speaking, tied to our backs by other human beings. Well, Nietzsche would say, everything you've ever been told to do by somebody else. Any time you've ever been told that this is how you should be living your life, or this is how you should be feeling about this stuff, this is how you should be acting, that stuff, like, look, from the moment you said goo-goo-ga-ga for the very first time, you've been getting weight after weight tied to your camel back, telling you all the stuff that should be important to you and all the ways that you need to be living your life. And Nietzsche would say that these weights tied to your back are lies that need to be shed if we truly ever want to be free. These weights could be anything. It could be that you need to put your napkin on your lap before you eat. It could be the, the way that a respectable gentleman dresses. Take that off right now. It could be bigger than that. It could be that you need to go into this box on Sunday and tell this 80-year-old virgin priest all the stuff you did wrong this week so we can tell you to do a few hand gestures and then absolve you of all your sins. These weights could be anything. Think about it. Every single thing that you do, down to the tiniest minutia, if the only reason you're doing it is because somebody at some point in your life told you that that's how you're supposed to do it, it could very well be one of these weights that you carry around with you throughout your life as a camel. Now, some of you may be asking, perfectly reasonable objection, well, look, 
What's wrong with taking a little advice from how to do things from people around us, Nietzsche? Why are you so against that? Do I really have to know everything? Can't I yield to people that are more experienced than I am? And he would say, of course you can. But understand the criteria for what makes these things a weight on your back as a camel. It's not that these things are burdens to you simply by virtue of the fact that you got them from somebody else. Any one of these things could easily be the best thing you can do. It's the intentions behind why you're doing it that matters. He'd say, look around you. How many people really are having a good day when they engage in that disingenuous conversation with the guy at 7-Eleven? How are you today? Good. How about you? Good. How many people really are having that exchange because they've thought about it? They've looked within themselves. They've considered what's important to them, how they can best spend their time, person they ultimately want to be. And they've come to the conclusion that the response, good, how about you, is the quickest succession of words that accomplishes what they want out of that exchange. How many people are doing it for those reasons? And how many people are doing it because it's just what everybody else does? Or because their mom told them it was a polite thing to do? Or because they were told by their, their grandpappy that they owe people that respect? Again, it's not that being nice and saying, good, how about you, is wrong necessarily. It's the reasons behind why you're doing it. Because, yeah, the cost of saying, good, how about you, for the wrong reasons might just be a couple seconds. No big deal. But think about the potential cost if you do something else, something bigger for the wrong reasons. For example, if you had to just take a guess, how many people in the history of our modern world have had this exact conversation with themselves, or at least some variation of it? I'm 18 years old. I'm graduating high school. My guidance counselor is blowing up my phone like he's a collections agency trying to get me to declare what I want to do for the rest of my life, but I don't know what I want to do. Actually, you know what I really want to do? Backpack across Europe. I was thinking about that the other day. Man, what a transformational, fun experience that would be. Might even help me figure out what I want to do with my life. Oh, I can't do that, though. I got to stay here and go to school. That's what people do. I got to go to school so I can get a job, so I can get a house, so I can get married and have kids. I can't do that. This is a perfect example of how one of these weights on our back, one of these ways that people have told you how you need to live your life, this is an example of how these weights that we carry around might cost us everything. What if that trip across Europe would have been transformational? What if it would have changed the entire course of your life? Again, there's nothing wrong with going to college right out of high school, but the only reason this person's doing it is because they've been told that's the way it has to be by their parents and their guidance counselor their whole life. Why are you trusting these people more than what you actually want? Nietzsche says, so often we adhere to one of these weights. We tell ourselves, this is how we have to be living our lives. And so often in the process, these things that we define as, quote, the right thing to do, deny ourselves of life and what we actually want to be doing. Why does it have to be this way? Nietzsche says that at a certain point, a lucky few people take a look at all these weights that have been conferred onto them since birth as camels, and they understand them for what they truly are. Not the right way to do things necessarily, not the only way to do things, but the way other people have done things in the past. Tradition. And the thing about tradition is, you don't necessarily need to follow it. No, you can say no to tradition. And the moment you've reached the level of maturity to be able to say no to all these ways people have told you you need to be living your life, that's the moment you've moved on to the second phase of life. You've transformed into the lion. Now the lion... The lion is in this strange limbo stage of self-awareness. All these ways that you're told you're supposed to think, feel, act, the lion recognizes them for what they are, arbitrary traditions. But the lion has a long and daunting road ahead of it when it comes to understanding the true extent to which these things influence our behavior. In other words, if you're in this lion stage of life, you may realize that the only reason you're going to church is because your parents told you it was the right thing to do when you were a kid. But you may not realize hundreds of other things you're doing for just about the same reason. The ultimate task of the lion to Nietzsche is to slay a giant 
fire-breathing dragon that keeps the lion under its control. This dragon's name is Thou Shalt. On each and every scale of this dragon's skin, inscribed on it is some thing that you must do, some way that you must behave. One scale will say something like, Thou shalt not stare at strangers. Another will say, Thou shalt cover thy mouth when thy sneezeth. The lion, through rigorous introspection and honesty, if it ever wants to move on to the third stage of life, it has to muster the courage and the strength to slay that dragon named Thou shalt, therein understanding these traditions for what they are, respecting these traditions. And if in the future you choose to behave in accordance with one of them, you know, if, if you choose to cover your mouth when you sneeze, now you're doing it because you freely chose to, not because you're under the control of some dragon. I guess a succinct way you could put these first two stages of life is there's two types of people in the world, people that know they're enslaved and people that don't know they're enslaved. Well, here's Nietzsche saying, no, there's a third type of person in the world, what he would call the child. See, think of what the lion's doing all throughout the second stage of life. You're really just saying no to everything. No, I'm not going to go to college just because you told me that's what people do. No, mom, I'm not going to wear those weird croc sandals just because you do. But think about it. If all you ever do is say no to everything, what are you ultimately left with at the end? Nothing. This is a place in life that Nietzsche says people oftentimes get a little stuck. See, because the thing about slaying that dragon and all the ways people are telling you how to live is that a lot of the scales that were on that dragon that you just slayed are all of these true world theories that we talked about in episode one of this series. So what often happens is people work really hard and they rigorously analyze their behavior and they slay that dragon and they come out on the other side having lost what they always told themselves was the meaning of their life. Sure, we can all imagine something like this. Someone grows up in a religious home. Maybe they get a little older. They start thinking about things. They come to the conclusion that maybe this religion isn't some cosmically ordained meaning to my life. Maybe it's a tradition that my family participates in that helps us feel better about certain questions that, let's be honest, we're probably never going to get an answer to. Just a, just a reminder again, that is the podcast Philosophize This by Stephen West. That particular episode is episode 92. Um, so I really like that explanation, obviously, because that, that pretty much describes exactly my current situation. And so... Essentially, for the rest of the episode, it goes on to talk about, you know, what what to do after you reach that point where you start to understand some of the weights that have been added on to you. And um, <clears throat> so where I'm at currently is I'm sort of having to build a new understanding of, of reality which is kind of a daunting task when you first take it on. So podcasts that I've been listening to and sort of, you know, reading books and gaining information on stuff, where a lot of it started for me personally was this out-of-body experience that I had, which this was back when I, I was still... I guess technically religious. I wasn't really practicing at the time. I had already moved out and was on my own for the first time, right? 19 years old, which obviously isn't that far, isn't that long ago. <clears throat> but at the time I was working a lot and I had just recently started smoking and I was taking edibles uh, for the first time and I took an edible the night before work 
I decided, you know, I, I wanted one to go to sleep, whatever. I woke up outside of my body, which is very difficult to explain, but it was like I was hovering above my own head. Like I was looking down on my body and I watched myself go through the motion of getting up, <clears throat> brushing my teeth, making breakfast, taking a shower, putting my clothes on and going to work. I went to work and worked a half day like outside of my body, which was such a strange experience for me at the time. And I really didn't know what to do with it. Like it was crazy. Definitely changed a lot of how I view the world because, you know, at that point you kind of have to, you have to believe that, that the soul is separate from the body or the consciousness is separate because other that's the only explanation. How, how is it possible that I was able to see myself from that angle, you know? Um, I, I had also had another smaller experience uh, when I was working. I was really de dehydrated. I hadn't been drinking water, and I tripped, and my body just kind of slipped out backwards, kind of like above myself, and then slammed back into my body, and I tripped and hit the ground. So just moments like that where I just, those are the only two times I've actually separated from my body. Um, there's, there's ways that you can practice separating your body from, or separating your soul from your body, I guess. They call it astral projection. <laughs> um, basically, this guy describes that he like vibrates his body and that helps him separate his soul from his body. This is, <laughs> it's all wacky shit. But funny enough, um, when I'm taking shrooms and feeling, you know, when I'm on shrooms, I, you feel a sense of like a different aspect of the world. Like you're, you're getting a different sense of reality. In those moments, I am actually shaking. Like my body just starts shaking like that. So I don't know if that's just weird similarities or whatever, but... I think it's definitely interesting and, and worth at least putting some curiosity towards. <clears throat> um, this particular guy actually, <laughs> he, was, he was actually claiming to astral project his body up into alien spaceships and communicate with them. So that's, <laughs> it's, I mean, they're, they're all cool stories though. So, I came across this post. Let me, I should probably just pull it up. Fuck. Um, okay, I'm gonna try to remember this story. So, this guy posted a trip report on the Reddit page about shrooms. This guy, he had sold some shrooms to somebody four and a half grams, I think. The person claimed no effects. He thought they might had gone bad, so he decided to take 11.3 grams, which is quite a bit. <clears throat> so he made this tea, takes it, drinks it. 20 minutes in, he's sweating like crazy, which he said is not something he usually happens when he, start, when he does these trips. You know, within the next 15 minutes, he's hallucinating like crazy, tripping harder than most of it. I think, yeah, harder than all of his other trips combined. 
Um, so the first thing that happens is this geometrical, colorful being appears in his doorway. He said it, he was frozen in time looking at its beauty, which, you know, when referencing DMT trips and uh, what people see, you know, other visual representations of a godlike figure, very similar to that. So there's that aspect, boom. He has that experience. He gets up all of a sudden, walks into his room, slams down onto his knees, and then his soul is separated from his body and he's sucked up into space, pretty much. And he starts going through all these dimensions over and over and over again, just different worlds, different realities, different... I think I, I read him replying to a comment saying it was it was love life and death over and over again for an eternity i talked about this a little bit in the previous episode but um i i felt a, a sort of similar loop on one of my trips definitely <laughs> definitely um a smaller a smaller dose than what he's describing obviously um but there has to be some sort of some something to this idea of this loop of of living and dying. I think it it really reminds me of um, one of the first things I ever listened to by Alan Watts called Dream. You can actually just look this up on Spotify. Uh, it's just look up Dream by Alan Watts. Yeah, really really good episode. But basically, he talks about how you could as a god fall asleep and live an entire 80 year lifetime in a dream right and so this is kind of what the what hinduism believes is i've talked about this before but you know just these these sort of aspects are are kind of what i'm looking to when i'm building my new reality i guess one of Jesus's main teachings was to be like the child, which I actually really like. And I've actually, um, well, in, in reading Nietzsche's work, that's actually the final goal is to become like a child, to, to be in that sense of, of everything is a game and always looking for the next way to enjoy life. I mean, we can all think back of when we're kids, I mean, I used to build forts outside and, and do all this crazy dumb shit that at this point in my life, I would never, I would never do that because there's obviously, I mean, there's more pressing matters, right? I, I got to get rent paid. I got to get food on the table. I mean, it's all just, life tends to weigh us down. And so I really like in whatever way you want to view your teachings, I think, I personally believe that a lot of the answers are going to turn out very similar. Like how we see Jesus is teaching this idea of becoming more like a child. And, and so is this particular philosopher. I grew up in a house where if I wanted something, I had to work and earn the money to buy it. So starting from a very young age, I was out working with my dad trying to save up money for all the nonsense that I wanted to buy, right? I was a dumb kid. I always I always wanted to buy shit. Now, this sort of had an effect on me because I spent a lot of time, 
you know, doing practical labor work, construction work, painting, whatever it may be. So at this point in my life, after I got out of high school, I already have three years of experience working in construction. So I just went right into the field. And at this point in my life, I'm like five years deep and I want to do a complete career shift. And it's fucking me up because I'm like, dude, (laughs) you apply to a, to a marketing, uh, position and they look at your resume and it's five years of construction and, and painting and whatever. Like, I don't have anything on my resume that is remotely what I want to shift into. So now I've applied to college and I'm working on a, on getting a certificate and whatever. But I think this is a good demonstration of this sort of weight uh, that camels experience. You know, like what Nietzsche was talking about. I grew up in this environment where everything is work, right? At this point, there's no complaints for me. I have a lot of very valuable skills. I can go out and make a living working at anywhere at any point I have collected a a lot of skills that I can use later on in life it's not a bad thing but if say I had managed to get out of this earlier and make this shift into you know studying the field that I want to go into I would be a lot further ahead in that field than I am now now I'm sure when we look at all of our current actions I'm sure it's very easy to say that most of our actions have been influenced by people in our past but I think the goal of these teachings is more just to ask yourself is what I'm doing for me or is there some other reason as to why I'm doing this right in life just do what you just do what you want to do you know what i'm saying just do you just do you thank you nietzsche for these wonderful teachings and thank you to stephen west for for breaking down his ideas into more simplistic terms so that the dummies like us can understand If you haven't already, make sure you leave a review on Spotify, and I'll catch you in the next episode.